to the 37th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So this week we're revisiting infrastructure and broadband. We talked about this a couple months ago when it was still in the early stages. At that point, we didn't really have a bill, and we still don't really have a bill, but there have been a fair amount of significant developments and negotiations are definitely underway. So I thought we could start at the beginning. When this all started, the White House released a fact sheet on what they wanted out of the infrastructure bill and out of broadband particularly. Can you start there and and then walk us through where we are now? Yeah. So way back when we had this fact sheet, which called for 100% of future-proof broadband infrastructure in underserved areas. This is like easy words, but there's so much behind it, right? Future-proof here means fiber. And unserved areas means where nothing is. But underserved means if there's only one provider in White House speak, that's underserved, which is like a huge red piece of cloth for both the industry and for Republicans. Because what we don't want to have in general is that the government creates competition and with it crowds out private investment. You want to stimulate private investment, but you don't want to crowd it out. And then they they said in this proposal that it prioritizes the support for broadband networks affiliated with local government, nonprofits, cooperatives. Which is also relatively antagonistic to existing providers, right? Exactly, because the existing providers, and we have decided, basically the world has decided that private companies are better serving telecom than, than governments. If this would go through, the U.S. would be the first country where... It prioritizes uh, government and nonprofits over profit-making enterprises to do this. And so this was kind of the starting block where we started from. The background here, and it comes from a lot of the White House staff, you know, which is more on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. So that comes really through here. And By the way, 100% broadband coverage gets awfully expensive because if you live out in the boonies or if you live in a cabin in the Rocky Mountains 10 miles away from civilization, this proposal would say, we're going to dig a trench up there, your mountain, or somewhere in Alaska where it might be 50 miles. We're going to dig a trench and we're going to give you broadband. Well, if we're talking about fiber, that's one of the big questions, right? Is how no, does no, this... no. That's what the White House said. The White House said future-proof broadband. That is fiber. And so if you thought the Pentagon hammer for $2,300 has legs, you know, the cabin with a million-dollar fiber internet is going to run. The jokes will write themselves, and the pundits on, on cable TV will have a field day for years to come. So in comes from the left, you know, also another proposal. There were like two things. Senator Markey was having a 
Verge talk, which was opened for people to listen to, but there's no replay, no transcript, no nothing. But former FCC chairman Wheeler kind of restated what Senator Markey said there and basically said, well, let's not do fiber, but the last 10, 15% we can do with fixed wireless and other things. And let's not fund all the local governments and nonprofits and all of that. But in exchange for that, dear telcos, you have to accept Title II, which is another of these cloths that, that's waved in front of the telcos. And it would be a big gift for Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley really wants to have Title II because it helps them to keep the telcos out of innovating on the network side. And then the other thing is there should be a requirement for a low-cost offer for everybody, and, and then we can talk about it. So this got a little bit closer, but not close enough because it's still a Faustian bargain for the telcos and the Republicans. And then this was responded by Commissioner Carr, who said, like, why are we not expanding the funding base for broadband away from the universal service, which is voice-centric and paid through telecom carriers and their customers? Why don't we expand the internet portion to the companies that make money through the internet and we can fund it that way, right? And he said, like, if only 0.009% of revenues from the internet guys would come to that kind of a, an internet fund, we could build the $100 billion just in one year, right? Right. So basically, voice is the new data service, right? Yeah. To fund the expansion of voice service for everybody, obviously, we rolled out Lifeline years ago under under Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan. Now, the, the hypothesis or the, the argument is that data is important for everybody i think we've we've learned that from the pandemic yeah. why shouldn't the companies that are largely profiting from the internet companies like google facebook amazon netflix etc that that generate up to 75% of all internet traffic why don't they contribute to something similar to lifeline to usf such such that we can build out the internet to all Americans, correct? Exactly. And, you know, we did a survey, right, a couple of months ago that said 71% of Americans think that the internet guys should contribute to to it and that, you know, if you make money of it, why not contribute to it? And so we have that thrown in from Commissioner Carr, and then we have intense by partisan negotiations on Capitol Hill with West Virginia, who would have thought leading the nation in technology, at least negotiation for around technology, with both Senator Capito and Senator Manchin being involved in it, right? Well, Joe Manchin is the date that everybody wants to take to the prom, right? I mean, he's he's at the center of all of this uh, in terms of Capitol Hill negotiation. So where does this go next? It seems like there's a lot of back and forth in terms of interested parties. From your perspective, I think you'd probably say that there's still 
some room for things to move. And particularly, I think there sounds like there are some poison pills for the telecom industry in what the current proposal is. Where does this end? What still needs to move for something to happen? Well, I think, you know, the price tag has to come down to probably at least the this bipartisan group will probably offer something around a trillion dollar, right? Which is then more palatable and will take some of the more anti-industry barbs out of the program. And it will be more technology agnostic. And I think that might be able to get us over the hump. The alternative is, if they don't come to an agreement, this might go through the reconciliation. And then something that should be a bipartisan issue will become very partisan. And the atmosphere, if you would have could have thought that, on Capitol Hill will get even frostier than it is today. You know, so... I think there is a way around this, right? It's more subsidies. Technology agnostic, right? Technology agnostic. You might get scenarios where you've got, you know, fixed wireless or even satellite transmission, you know, covering that very last bit of coverage, right? So if you're up on the mountain in Alaska, you might have to settle for a satellite or a fixed wireless connection. Yeah, And, and if they're really smart, they can use this bill to embody net neutrality that is based on its merits, not on a 1934 law, into law as well and say simply, here are the principles that we want the internet to be based on, no throttling, no blocking, you know, type things, and everybody should be happy. And with that, they would have taken the the Title II thing off, off the table. And they would have gotten it all in one one thing because nobody disagrees with, with the basic principles anymore. What we disagree upon is the implementation. And so, you know, this is a golden opportunity. Let's see if they seize it. All right. Well, we will we will continue to monitor the situation. If, if the opportunity is seized, I'm sure we'll do a podcast on it, and I'm sure we'll probably do some interim podcasts as we learn more. Uh, down the stretch. Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving, and it's way more interesting than listening to carrier CEOs going over and over of the old talking points, right? (laughs) That was the alternate topic for today's podcast. However, we are not going to be covering that. Yeah, we spared you, right? Right, exactly, exactly. All right, Roger, well, that's all we have for uh, time for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye.